ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ಶ್ರೀ ಅರುಣಾಚಲ ರಮಣಾಯ ಟುಡೇ ವಾಟ್ ಐ ವಾಂಟ್ ಟು ಟಾಕ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಈಸ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಆಫ್ಟನ್ ಯೂಸ್ ಟು ಸೈ ಭಕ್ತಿ ಇಸ್ ದ ಮದರ್ ಆಫ್ ಜ್ಞಾನ ದಿಸ್ ಈಸ್ ಅನ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ರೀಮ್ಲಿ ಡೀಪ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಸಿಗ್ನಿಫಿಕೆಂಟ್ ಟೀಚಿಂಗ್ ಆಫ್ ಭಗವಾನ್ ಭಕ್ತಿ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಲವ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಲವ್ ಈಸ್ ದ ಕೀ ಟು ಟು ದಿಸ್ to bhagavan's path love is the key that allows us to open our heart to bhagavan so bhagavan's path is the the ultimate path of bhakti that is as bhagavan um explained in in um in upadesha india the true path of bhakti really begins um when we are not asking god for anything when we are worshiping him when we are meditating on him or thinking of him just for the love of him not for anything we can gain from him um this bhagavan really begins this in 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 upadeshundia he begins to describe this in verse 3 um uh, that is in verse 2 he had explained that uh, the fruit of action passes away but the seeds namely the vasanas are what cast us into a great ocean of action therefore action does not give liberation but then in verse 4 he says um i'm paraphrasing now however action that is done without desire that is action nishkarmiya karma action which is not done for the sake of any fruit of gaining anything but for kartanukakum offered to god or kartanukakum means done for god in sanskrit it's uh, ishwara pritam offered to god um when he says done for god he means done for the love of god and in the malayalam version of upadesha uh saram he says ishwara priti nai that means um uh uh for the love of god so we are we when when true bhakti begins when we are not seeking anything from god we are doing it just for the love of god we are not we are not wanting to gain anything from god we are wanting to give ourselves to god that is when the true path of bhakti begins and bhakti begins with action and the, that's why bhagavan talks about nishkarmiya karma there are three kinds of actions we can do that is we have three instruments of action um uh a uh, uh, body speech and mind so in the next verse he talks about the three action three types of actions that we can do with these three instruments he says this is certain uh puja japa and dhyana are respectively actions done by body um uh, speech and mind and in this order each one is superior to each other one or oh, sorry i forgot one thing what he says in verse 3 when he talks about nishkarmiya karma he says nishkarmiya karma done for the love of god will purify the mind and show the way to liberation gati bari karmikam so the what he implies by that is by worshiping god by mind speech or body without desire for anything but just for the love of god that will purify the mind 
And the purified mind will have the clarity to see, to recognize what is the correct path to liberation. So this nishkarmiya karma, doing this puja, japa, and dhyana, this is not itself the direct path to liberation, but it purifies the mind and gives the mind the clarity to understand what is the correct path to liberation, namely the path that Bhagavan has taught us, the path of self-investigation and self-surrender. Um, so in the next, as I say, in the next verse, he talks about the, he says, this is certain, puja, japa, and dhyana are actions of of uh, body, speech, and mind, respectively. And in this order, each is superior to the other one. What he means by superior is it's more efficacious in purifying the mind. Uh, because the actions we do by the body are relatively gross. The actions we do by speech are more subtle. The actions we do by mind are more subtle. More subtle is more powerful. Um, so the... Uh, if we are doing puja, we may be doing the puja mechanically with our body, but our mind may be wandering. Whereas in dhyana, if our mind is wandering, we very quickly detect it. So dhyana is a more effective way of purifying the mind. And then he goes in the next verses, he describes what is puja, that is worshipping anything with the idea that it is God, is good worship of God, he says in the, um, in the fifth verse. Uh, in the sixth verse, he talks about uh, japa. He said, better than hymns, singing hymns of praise is japa. Better than japa done aloud is japa done softly within the mouth. Better than japa done softly within the mouth is mental japa. That is a kind of dhyana. What he means by better in this context, more efficacious in purifying the mind. And then in the uh, seventh verse, he talks about... Um, he talks about uh, dhyana and he says, rather than interrupted dhyana, the uninterrupted dhyana, like the, the flow of a river or of a, of, of a, a flow of ghee, um, of a falling of ghee, in other words, a smooth, unbroken flow is better. Why is it better? Because when we are meditating on God, if, we, if our meditation is driven by love, our mind won't wander here and there. If our mind begins to wander and we begin to think of this or that, what problem we've got, what bills we've got to pay, what we have to do in the office tomorrow, that means we are more interested in those things than in thinking about God. So the, the, the uh, meditation being uninterrupted is a, is, a, is a measure of the extent of the love that we have. And love is the absolute key in in this path, in Bhagavan's path. But then the most important verse in this series is the eighth verse. What he says in the eighth verse is, rather than Anya uh, Baba, and Anya Baba is best among all. Anya Baba means, Anya means what is other. So Anya Baba in this context refers to meditating on God as something other than ourselves. That is, so long as we are doing any action by mind, by body, puja, or by speech, japa, or by mind, dhyana, so long as we are taking God to be something other than ourselves, our worship of him or meditation on him is, is a movement of our attention away from ourselves towards something else. We take God to be something other than ourselves. Um, but 
better than that is Ananya Baba. And he, he describes Ananya Baba as Abhanahamahum Ananya Baba. That means Ananya means what is not other. So Ananya Baba in this context means meditating on what is not other. That implies what is not other than ourselves. With, with the understanding that he is I. That's what he means. Abhanahamahum means in which he is I. That means with the understanding that God is that which is shining in our heart as I, meditating on him, not as something other than ourselves, but as I alone, uh, that is natimum uh, utum, that is the best among all. When he says best among all, in this context, he means this is the most effective means to purify the mind. So long as we are doing puja or japa or dhyana, taking God to be something other than ourselves, these are all actions. But meditating on I alone, meditating on nothing other than I, is not an action because our attention is not moving away from ourselves towards something else. It is a resting of our attention, a subsidence of, our, of the mind in its source. So meditation by meditating on I alone, we go beyond action, as he indicates in the next verse, verse 9. What he says in verse 9 is, by the strength of that barber, he doesn't specify which Baba, but by the implication there is by the strength of that Ananya Baba. In other words, by the strength of meditation on ourselves or by the strength of self-attentiveness, Bhavana Tita Sabhava Tirutale, being, just being in our, in our true being or in a state of being, which transcends bhavana. Bhavana in this context means mental activity. So that, 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 that state of just being as we actually are, which transcends all mental activity, how do we remain in that state of just being? Only by the strength of self-attentiveness, because, because self-attentiveness is not an action, it's a state of being. So to the extent to which we attend to ourselves, we are thereby just being as we actually are. And that, he says, is parabhakti tattva. That is the, the, the nature of a the principle of a truth of supreme devotion. So Bhagavan's path is the path of supreme devotion. Better than meditating on God. It is good, of course, to meditate on God as something other than ourselves. But better than that is best of all is to meditate on God as I. Because he is that which is always shining in our heart as I. Um, so Bhagavan's path is, is the pinnacle of the path of bhakti. This is the bhakti in its purest form. And why is this uh, bhakti in its purest form? We, I mean, we can explain this in so many ways in, in, in the light of Bhagavan's teaching. One example, for example, in verse 26 of Uludunapadu, he says, if ego comes into existence, everything comes into existence. If ego doesn't exist, everything doesn't exist. Everything in this context means all objects, all phenomena, everything other than ourselves. Um, uh, ego itself is everything. That is, when we are dreaming, we see a whole world full of so many people and so many events are happening and everything. But what we are actually seeing, we are just seeing ourselves as that dream. That is the, the dreaming mind 
is not seeing any external world. It's seeing it's only seeing itself as that dream world. So everything that ego is aware of, all objects, all phenomena, they all resolve back into ego. They have no existence independent of ego. Because they are they are objects, things perceived by us. They that whatever is perceived doesn't exist independent of the one who perceives it. So the objects, all the phenomena, they they borrow their semi-existence from the semi-existence of ourself as ego. But ego borrows its existence from the real existence of ourself as Satchit. So the Ego, though ego is a thought, Bhagavan often described ego as the first thought, the thought called I, it is a thought unlike all other thoughts, because all other thoughts are objects, so they're jada. Whereas ego is chit jada granti. It is the knot formed by the entanglement of chit and jada. So in ego, there is there's the jada element, the form that it takes as itself. I am this body. This body is jada. But the I that is in that mixed, in that adjunct conflated awareness, I am this body, I am is the chit, is the pure awareness. So um, ego had, and, and so ego is, a, is what is called chittabhasa. It is a semblance of awareness. It's a, a reflection of awareness. The pure awareness is just I am bereft of adjuncts. That is the pure awareness. When it, that is seemingly mixed and conflated with adjuncts, that becomes ego. So ego has an element of awareness, an element of reality, and an element of unreality. So uh, as a mixed awareness, it is just a thought. But in, unlike all other thoughts, ego is the only thought that is endowed with awareness. So all other things borrow their semi-existence from the semi-existence of ego. And ego borrows its semi-existence from Satchit, from the pure awareness I am. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, uh, yes, that's why Bhagavan says ego itself is everything. Ego is seeing itself as everything. But the main thing I wanted to point out about this verse 26 is he then says, Adalal, uh, Yadu Idu Enju Nadale, Overdal Yavam in or Therefore, investigating what this is is giving up everything. The verb he uses there for giving up, um, we can translate it as giving up. The verb is actually overdal. Overdal means removing, uh, separating, um, ceasing, uh, terminating. So by investigating ourselves, we are bringing about the removal of a separation of a cessation of everything other than ourselves. So, investing, we cannot investigate ourselves and know what we actually are without thereby giving up everything else. Because when we know what we actually are, ego is thereby eradicated. Without ego, nothing else exists. Because as he says, if ego comes into existence, everything comes into existence. If ego doesn't exist, everything doesn't exist. He says the same in, um, in Arunachashtakam, for example, in verse 7. Uh, Indraham enum, uh, enum nenevu enil. If this thought called I, namely ego, doesn't exist, 
Pira ondrum indrum. So nothing else exists. So but everything else, everything other than ourselves depends on the semi-existence of ego. To follow Bhagavan's path, or the aim of Bhagavan's path is ahateber arupai arunachala. That is what Bhagavan's teachings are all about. Arunachala mena, ahamenine pava, ahateber arupai arunachala. He's uh, there in the very first verse of Aksharam, right? He says what it's all about. It's about destruction of ego. By meditating on Arunachala, recognizing that Arunachala is that which is shiny in our heart as Aham, as I, that is that will eradicate ego. So Arunachala is there just to eradicate ego. Deva Arunachala. When I approached you as my God, you annihilated me completely. Arunachala, how can I survive after embracing you who have announced, who have hoisted your flag to announce yourself as the killer of your devotees? So if we are to follow Bhagavan's path, we must be ready to give up everything, to surrender ourselves. And surrendering ourselves, that means surrendering ego, means surrendering everything else. Only when we give ourselves entirely to him, uh, can we know him as he actually is. This is also beautifully expressed by Bhagavan in um, the fifth verse of Arunachala Pancharatnam. What he says in the fifth verse of Arunachala Pancharatnam is... Um, uh, Unidatil opuvita ullatal eporudum unne kandu elamum unnuruvai aniamil ambuseyuman non arunachala belhum imburuvam unilande. That means um, by or with the mind which is surrendered to you. So it Opuvitta means given to you. We, that is, in this path, we are not going to gain anything. We are to give everything to him. Then only we gain what is, well, we don't gain anything. What he alone remains in the end. That is the greatest gain of all. Uh, what always exists remains as it always is. Uh, that is, with the mind surrendered to you, or by the mind that is surrendered to you, opposed. Dom unne kandu, always seeing you by the mind that is surrendered to you. That is, in order to see him, in order to see Bhagavan or Arunacha as he really is, we need to surrender our mind entirely to him. And when we surrender our mind entirely to him, we thereby see him always. And by, see him in, by seeing him always, elamum unnuruvai anniamil ambuseo. Unknown, but the one who's my who who is always seeing you with a mind that is surrendered to you uh, will ambuseum aniamil ambuseum loving loving without otherness elamum unurvai loving everything as your form without otherness. That is when we surrender our mind to Him, what remains is He alone. So what, what we are seeing after the surrender of the mind is only him. So since nothing can be other than him, since he alone is what actually exists, what actually exists is only Atmasarupa. Arunacha is Atmasarupa. So uh, that, that's what in, in, that's in the seventh paragraph of, Bhagav, of 
Uh, no, no, Bhagavan says what actually exists is only Atmasarupa. And it is Atmasarupa, but appears outwardly in the form of Aranatya. So it is to that Atmasarupa, but Bhagavan is uh, addressing these verses of Aranatya Stutipanchikam. So, uh, so um, the one whose mind is surrendered to you and is thereby seeing you always, uh, thereby sees everything as your form and he loves it without otherness, anya milambu, that is otherless love, uh, 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 belhom, uh, uh, achieves victory. How do we achieve victory? Imburuvam uh, unnil, in you the form of, of happiness, of bliss, aren't they? Uh, sinking or merging or uh, drowning in you, the form of, of, uh, of, of happiness, we attain, we, we attain victory. So here Bhagavan, Bhagavan, this is, Bhagavan is describing his path so beautifully here. That is, we can, his path is always all about surrender, giving up this mind. And how do we give up the mind? Only by investigating what it is. By investigating what we actually are, we thereby surrender ourselves to him, thereby we see him uh, always, constantly. When we see him, since he is the one real substance, the bastu or poral, uh, that appears as all this, we are thereby seeing everything as his form. His form means his swarupa, his own form, which is pure awareness. His form is, his swarupa is atmasarupa, our own real nature. So seeing everything as our own real nature, and thereby loving everything, not as something other than ourselves, but as ourself alone. That's the that's significance of that word, anya milambu. That's such a beautiful term. Uh, uh, loving, with, loving, love without otherness. That is pure love, as Bhagavan uh, made clear. In the Sanskrit version, he says, um, um, ananya pritya, by, the, by that, uh, ananya love. Um, so, this is Bhagavan's path. It is all about uh, turning the mind within, thereby offering the mind to him, uh, surrendering the mind to him. And it's only by giving ourselves wholly to him that we can know him as we actually as he actually is. That's what he means by epodum unne kandu, seeing you always. We see him always only when we when we recognize that he is that which is always shiny as I, because the one thing that we are constantly aware of, one thing we never cease to be aware of, is I am, our own existence. But though we are always aware of that, because of our interest in other things, we're allowing our mind to go outward. So we're overlooking the fact that he is ever shiny in our heart as I. So in order to see him always, to recognize that he is that which is always shiny in our heart as I, we need to surrender our mind completely to him. By the mind that is completely surrendered to him. Then only we can see him always. And then only do we see everything as his form. When we see everything as his form, which means as our own form, as our own real nature, we therefore love everything without any otherness. And that is how we, we merge in him and achieve victory. Our victory is the complete loss of ourselves. Uh, I think in Maharshi's Gospel or somewhere, it is recorded, Bhagavan said, uh, 
your glory lies where you cease to exist. So it's only when this ego, when this mind is completely surrendered, completely lost in him, that we, we, we achieve victory. And it's when we are being swallowed by him, that is truly seeing him. Because as he says in verse 21 of Uladunapadu, Unadal uh, Khan, Unadal Khan is a very, very beautiful, um, beautiful way Bhagavan has expressed it. Unadal means becoming food. Khan, seeing. So how do we see God? How do we see Bhagavan? How do we see Aranachala? How do we see ourselves? Only by becoming food, by being, only when we are swallowed by him, do we truly see him? Because then we, being swallowed by him means ego is being stripped of its adjuncts, it's of its upadis. Nibbana mai chedaral, we are stripped naked. That means we're stripped of all our adjuncts. And then what remains, that naked I am, that is Aranachala, that is Bhagavan. So we can see him only by, by, by being completely swallowed by him, having all our adjuncts completely stripped off us. Um, and then what we actually are, that is Bhagavan. That our real nature, Atmasarupa, that is what Bhagavan actually is. But in order to do this, we must be ready to give up everything. As he says in verse 26, investigating what we actually are is giving up everything or is bringing about the cessation or the, the removal or the, the termination, the ending of everything. So we must be, in order to uh, follow this path, to succeed in this path, we need all-consuming love. We need, so, we need to have such great love for Bhagavan, but we are ready to give up everything for him. Not only everything else, give up ourselves entirely. We need to become food to him. We need to become bali, as he says beautifully in um, verse, uh, um, verse 10 of Arunachapatikam. That is in, in what he says in verse 10 of Arunachapatikam. That's also very, very... Um, a very nice thing. I'll, I'll take that verse because that that shows the this verse uh, ten beautifully illustrates the the oneness of um, of of bhakti and uh, jnana. That is, he says, "Partanam um, I've seen a, 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 a something new, something wonderful. Um, we vali kanta paravatam, this magnetic hill that forcibly attracts the soul. Orutaram idane otidum virin, sheshteye oduki. That means um, uh, subduing the mischievous. Uh, the uh, activity that means the outgoing mental activity of the soul who thinks of it once and how do we think of him it is only he who makes us think of him because he is that magnetic hill but draws us to him so we cannot think of him except by his grace so it uh, that magnetic hill forcibly draws us to it to it makes us think of him by making us think of him he thereby subdues the sheshte sheshte means the the mischievous activity that implied the outward going activity of the mind uh, uh, and then he says 
oru tanadu abimukamaha irtu pulling it or dragging it or attracting it that soul tanadu abimukam to face towards itself um uh adai tanbol achalama chedu thereby making it motionless like itself that is as he said in, in implied in verses 8 and 9 of um of upadeshundia by thinking of nothing other than i by thinking of him as i and that's what he means here by uh, pulling it to face itself the one but he is the one but the one means the one that actually exists that is the one i but actually shines in in our in everything the, the one i but is alone as he says so the one thing that actually exists is only Atmasarupa. So that's what he means when he says Oru there. He, himself the one. That means the one Atmasarupa. So by, by, by uh, making us think of him, he thereby subdues the outgoing activity of mind, draws it into face himself, and thereby makes it motionless like himself as he says in upadeshundia that is by that by the strength of that ananya bhava the mind is uh, remains in sat bhava which is transcends all bhavana all mental activity in other words it remains in the state of being and that is supreme devotion here he describes that is making making it motionless making the mind motionless like itself and then he says of inuir bali kolum he 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 uh he accepts that sweet soul sweet means it matured it's ripened with love but where did it get that love from that love comes only from arunachi he alone can sow the seed of love in our heart so he sows the seed of love in our heart thereby draws our mind inwards thereby he matures us makes us uh, fully pakva fully ripened fruit and then with that sweet fruit of a fully ripened soul he takes us bali bali means uh food that is offered in sacrifice so we must be willing to offer ourselves as bali as 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 a sacrifice to him then only he will swallow us and when he swallows us then we will we we will uh, then we are then alone we are truly seeing him Unadal Khan's being uh, uh, becoming food is the is is uh, seeing, and then he ends this verse by saying, "Ichten." That means, "What is this?" Uh, that that uh, an exclamation, exclamation, wonder. What a wonder this is! And then he he gives us very 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 good advice in the last line. Or to mean, we go. Oh souls, be saved thinking of this great hill. Ulum adanil oli ivui koli arunamagiriye. Be saved thinking of this great arunagiri, uh, this great aruna hill, the killer of the soul who shines in the heart. Who shines in the heart means he's always shining in the heart as I. So unless we are willing to give ourselves entirely to him. we cannot we cannot even begin to uh, follow this path so the key to this path is bhakti bhakti is the beginning the middle and the end or as bhagwan often used to say grace is the beginning and the middle and the end his grace of course is always available but his grace works in us to the extent to which we 
offer ourselves to him. But even our offering ourselves to him, even that is only by his grace. That's why Bhagavan said, grace is the beginning, the middle, and the end. Um, uh, that reminds me of something I wanted to say at the beginning, um, uh, but it's okay. It's, the order in which things are said doesn't matter. Um, in the final verse of, um, of uh, Anma Bidde, the song in which Bhagavan is, uh, is emphasizing that this is the easy, the path of this path of self investigation is the easiest path of all. That's the main theme of uh, Anma Bidde, this song. And in the final verse, he says, um, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a quite a long verse and a long sentence, but I'll break it up into. Um, he he first describes uh, Arunachala as binadia uh, vilangum kanadia poricum kan manakannaku kannai. That is Arunachala is that. I, that, uh, that awareness, but is the eye to the mind eye, uh, which is the eye to the five senses, which illumine the, uh, uh, all the, the, the physical universe, or the, not only physical, the physical or mental universe, but, but consists of the, um, of the five elements beginning with space. Um, and he, so that's one description of, uh, of, um, of Arunachala. He described as the eye to the mind eye, Kandaku um, Kannai, as he sings in Aksharamulai. And then he says, Mana Binnakum Binnai, as the space to the mind space. Um, th that is the, the whole of this physical space, this Buddha is contained in which space? in the mind space. It's only in the mind that all this appears. So the Buddha Kasha is a, contained in the Manakasha or, or uh, Chittakasa, the, the mind space, and the mind space is contained in the Chittakasa, the, the space of pure awareness. So that's what he's referring to here when he says the space of the mind space, the space that contains the mind space, but in turn contains the whole of this, uh, the whole of the all physical space. Uh, he is the one puddle, the one substance that shines at these. Um, uh, this is all a description of Arunachala. He says, Olirum anamale, anamale who shines as the, the eye to the mind eye, the space to the, uh, as the eye to the mind eye, which is the eye to, the, um, to all the five senses, and there's a space to the mind space, this is all a description of anomaly. Um, uh, but then, then he says, Veru enadu iranda uh, ulnadu ulatu, in the ulatu, in the heart or the mind, uh, that is inwardly investigating. Iranda uh, padi means as it is. That means being as it is, just being as we actually are. Veru enadu, without thinking of anything else, anything other than ourselves. In other words, the, the, in the keenly self-attentive mind that is there by being as it is, uh, anamalai, my uh, enanma, uh, kaname, 
Anomaly and anomaly is another beautiful term Bhagavan uses here because it has a different double meaning. We can, uh, anma, the, the basic meaning of anma is oneself. So it, it, in this context, it refers to our real nature. So anomaly and anma, we can take as our real nature, which is called anomaly. But it also has another meaning. N can also mean my. So Bhagavan is saying, myself, anomaly. So he's referring to anomaly as his own self. Um, so we can take it either way. Both, uh, both amount to the same thing will be seen. But then the main thing I wanted to say about this very beautiful verse, how he ends it. He, this is the ending of this verse and the ending of the whole of, um, of, uh, of this song, this uh, Anma Bidde. He says three very, very important sentences. Aralum Vename. Grace is also needed. Ambu Puname, uh, adorn yourself with love. Uh, well, it, it, be adorned with love. Imbu uh, Toname, bliss will shine forth. So uh, the key to success in this path, that is, he says, Aralum um, that is a huge understatement by saying grace is also necessary because the truth is, Everything is done by grace. It's only by his grace that we are drawn to this path. As he said, grace is the beginning, the middle, and the end. So it is grace that draws us to this path. Um, it is grace that, uh, he, he, that's why he says grace is the, middle, the, the beginning, because it um, draws us to this path. Grace is the middle, because it is grace alone that, um, that guides us and supports us and uh, sustains us while we are following this path. And grace is also the end. Why is it the end? Because the final conclusion of this path is we will be swallowed entirely by grace. So grace is everything. Um, but here he, in his, as, as he often did, he, will, uh, he, he, he expresses things as in the form of an understatement, but the implication is, of course, far greater than the surface meaning of the words. It's not just that grace is also needed. Grace, grace, is, grace does everything, as he makes clear in so many places. And then he says, Arulum, uh, sorry, Ambu Puname. Puname means adorn yourself, like if you're putting on very fine clothing, if you uh, dress up for some special function. Um, uh, that is Puname, you're, you're putting on all your finest clothing. So he says, adorn yourself with love. But, well, he doesn't say, he said, be adorned with love is the, is the closest we can come to expressing it in English. But even that love, where does the love come from? Can, can any of us have love for him if he doesn't give us that love? That is the very nature of Bhagavan. He is infinite love because, as Bhagavan revealed in the first paragraph of Nana, uh, love is our real nature. We, 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 we all have greatest love for ourselves. Bhagavan, who doesn't see anything other than himself, loves everything as himself. So Bhagavan's love for us is infinite. It is his love that is what we otherwise call grace. It is, and it since he is the very embodiment of love, Amburu Varunachala, the, the, the very form of love, um, uh, he, or as he described beautifully in verse 101 of Akshramlai, he's the, the ocean of love. Um, uh, um, in verse 101 of Akshramlai, he says, um, 
uh, Ambuvilalipo, like ice in water, Amburuvunil, in you the form of love, melt me as, uh, as love, in you the form of love. So the, the implication there is Aaron actually is the vast ocean of love. Bhagavan is the vast ocean of love. We are like a small hailstone that has fallen in this ocean. Uh, of course, we fallen in the ocean isn't even quite correct because we come from nowhere but that ocean. But we are, we are like a small little piece of ice in this ocean. We are nothing other than him. The ice is nothing other than the sea. It's the same substance, water, but it just, it's just it's solidified. So we must melt in him. So he asked, like ice melting in water, melt me as love in you, the form of love. So Arunach is the vast ocean of love. So whatever little love we have for him can come only from him because he is the infinite ocean of love. There's no love other than Aranachala. So whatever love we have, whatever little liking we have to surrender ourselves or to turn our attention within is given only by him. So he says we should adorn ourselves with love. That is, we should open our heart. We should allow him to know. He has sown the seed of love in our heart. By our surrendering to him, we must, we must open our heart and allow him to nurture this seed of love that he's sown in our heart. Because it's only by that love that we can give ourselves to him. Because if we consider it, what is the nature of ego? The nature of ego is always, as he says in verse 25 of Uludunaptu, Urupatri Undam, Urupatri Nikkum. Urupatri Undam means grasping form, it comes into existence. Urupatri Nikkum, grasping form, it stands. Urupatri undu mikaongum, grasping and feeding on forms, it flourishes abundantly. Uruvitu urupatram, leaving form, it grasps form. That means the very nature of ego is always to be grasping form. But ego itself, as he says in the last line of that verse, is uruvatra payahande. It's a formless phantom or demon ego. So it, it, is, uh, it is formless because it has, no, um, it has no form of its own. It cannot, we cannot rise as ego without grasping the form of a body as I. So it, but ego, though it always uh, uh, com it comes into existence, stands and flourishes, grasping a, a form as itself, it is not that form. It is, a, it is itself a formless phantom. And phantom, the, the word pay means both a phantom in but it's a it's something bodiless but it also implies evil it's a demon it's an evil spirit uh it's a phantom because it has no substance of its own it's got no form of its own so it depends upon the form of a body it's got no substance of its own so it borrows its substance its existence and its awareness from satchit from i am so ego is neither this nor that it's neither chit nor jada it is the chit jada granti it is the the, the, the the not that is formed when these two things seemingly become entangled uh, so the very nature of ego is always to grasp things other than itself I've missed out one sentence in that verse 25 of Uludna, most important sentence of all. Tedinal autum pidicum, if sought, it takes flight. That is, the nature of ego is always to grasp things other than itself. But if instead of grasping other things, it tries to grasp itself, 
it will subside and dissolve back into its source. That's what he means by it will take flight, it will run away. That is, nobody has ever seen ego. We seem to be ego only so long as we're looking away from ourselves. If we look back at ourselves to see who am I, there's no such thing as ego to be found. If the, the, the snake seems to be a snake only so long as we don't look at it carefully enough. If we look at it carefully enough, we'll say, oh, it's just a rope. Likewise, if we look at ego carefully enough, we'll see it is not ego, it is just pure awareness. It is just pure satchit. So uh, it's only because of our failure to look at ourselves, but we seem to be ego. So ego has no existence at all. But the very nature of ego, because it cannot exist without grasping other things, it, ego will always be wanting to grasp other things. So since the very nature of ego is to grasp other things, why will ego be willing to let go of all everything else and surrender itself? It, it can, it, that is possible not by ego itself. It has to be a power greater than ego but can enable ego to surrender itself. That power is the power of love, the power of bhakti. That is why Bhagavan said, bhakti is the mother of jnana. Without all-consuming love, we cannot succeed in this path. We cannot, we wouldn't even begin, we wouldn't even take interest in this path. The very fact that we have even the slightest interest in this path, the very fact that we're attracted to Bhagavan, shows he has already sown the seed of love in our heart. But, we have to play our part. As he says in, um, in the 12th paragraph of Nana, um, God and Guru are in truth not different. Just like the prey that has fallen into the jaws of the tiger um, uh, uh, cannot, uh, cannot uh, turn back, cannot escape, so those who have been caught in the, in the, um, in the glance of the Guru's grace Will, uh, will never be forsaken, but will surely be saved by him. That is, um, uh, he says beautifully, Abare, likewise, like, like that, the, the prey in the jaws of a tiger, Guruvin Arul Parvayal, Patavagal, those who have been caught in the, in the glance of Guru's grace, um, Avaral by him, Rakshika Padavare Andri, they will certainly be saved. Andri means except that they will certainly be saved. Orukalum uh, Kaivida Pada, he will never abandon them. He will never let go. So he will never abandon us. He will surely save us. However, he adds one important uh, proviso or caveat at the end. Eninum. Guru Katya Varipadi Tabaradu Nadakabendam. That is, he will save us, but we have to play our little part. We have to, we have to cooperate with him. How do we cooperate with him? By surrendering ourselves to him. And how do we surrender ourselves to him? By, as he explains in the next, uh, very next sentence, the, the um, first sentence of the 13th paragraph, by clinging to Atmachintana so firmly. But we thereby don't give room to rising of any other thought. 
We are thereby remaining as administer Paran, and that is giving ourselves to God. So to, in order to cooperate with him, we need to surrender ourselves to him. And in order to surrender ourselves to him, we need to cling so firmly to Atmachintana, that means to self-attentiveness, but we give no room to the rising of any other thought. As he says in this uh, fifth verse of um, of uh, of um, of Anmabide, Vero Enada, uh, not thinking of any other thing, Irundapadi, being as we are, that is what he's talking about here. So it's only by clinging to self attentiveness so firmly, but we thereby don't give room, even the slightest room to the rising of any other thought, but we can truly give ourselves to him. So long as we're interested in anything, any thoughts, anything other than him, we are not giving ourselves to him. We are still retaining ourselves. We're not handing over charge of ourselves to him. So he's ready to do everything for us, but he will never force us. We must be willingly. He will, he will swallow us, but only when we are willing to be swallowed by him. So we must be willing to give ourselves wholly to him. So it's only by when we have all-consuming love but we can succeed in this path. And that love cannot come from ego. It can come only from the source of ego, from the reality of ego. That is Bhagavan. It can come only from deep within our own heart. That, because he is that which is ever shining in our heart as I. He is the infinite ocean of love. So by shining in our heart as I, he's slowly been cleansing, purifying our mind. And now he's sown that seed of love in our heart. We have to play our little part by trying our best to turn within and surrender ourselves to him. He will do everything else. He, he takes care of absolutely everything. All our, all our material needs, spiritual needs, everything is taken care of by him. But we must be willing to surrender ourselves to him. That's why he goes on to say in, the, in, in that 13th paragraph of Nana, um, after saying but uh, 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 um, uh, I'll just read the sentence in Tamil because it's so beautifully expressed in Tamil. Anma chintane tabira, that means except that machintana, vera chintane kalamba vitaku satram idum kodamo, not giving even the slightest room to the rising any other thought except that machintana. Um, Atmanishta Parana Iripade, being as Atmanishta Parana, that means being as one who is firmly established as oneself, Tanei Isanaku Aripadam, that is giving oneself to God. And then he says in the next sentence, so he's, what he implies in this sentence, he's implying that even the burden of thinking, we should surrender to him. We should let him do all our thinking for us. We need not think of anything. All we need to do is to think of him shining in our heart as I. Leave all other thoughts for him to take care of. So in the next sentence, he says, Isam peril evalo barate patalum avalabayum avahitu kol kira. So uh, how that means however much burden we place on God, he will bear all of that. So we can place any amount of burden on him. So even the burden of thinking we can place on him, he will bear it all. And then he says, Sakala Karangalayum or Parameshwara Shakti Nadadu Kondiru Kondiru Kirapadial. Since that 
since one Parameshwara Shakti, one supreme ruling power, one supreme divine power is driving all karyas. That means everything that ought to happen, everything that should happen, he's making everything happen as it's meant to happen. So when such is the case, Namum Adaku Adangirama, in, instead of we also yielding ourselves to it, why should we be constantly thinking it's necessary to do like this, it's necessary to do like that? And then he gives a, this very well-known and beautiful analogy. When the train is carrying all the burdens, why should we, who, when we know the train is carrying all the burden, why should we who are traveling in that train suffer carrying our little luggage on our head instead of placing it aside and troubling in comfort. So why should we suffer uh, unnecessarily? Bhagavan's path is not only the path of love, it's also the path of happiness. Because to the extent to which we surrender ourselves to him, we are thereby free and carefree. So the more we surrender ourselves to him, the more pleasant our life will be. That doesn't mean that everything will always go favorably. He will throw all sorts of difficulties at, at us. That's all part of the process of cleansing us. But we will be not, we, the, the more we are surrendered to him, the less we will be affected by whatever troubles may be thrown at us by life, in life. And whatever troubles are given to us, it's given only by him, because our whole life is, or, is our prarabdha is ordained entirely by him. So but whatever, whatever seemingly favorable and, or seemingly unfavorable things we are given to experience, it's all given to, to us by him for our own good. So all we all Bhagavan asks us to do is to surrender ourselves completely to him. And he gives us a clue how to surrender ourselves by clinging to self-attentiveness. But clinging to self-attentiveness means giving up everything. So for that, we require all-consuming love. That love can be given only by him. That's why in the verse, Ariyati Tarajivara Dahavari Jugohail, Arivai Rami Paramatam and Arunachala Ramana. Arunachala Ramana is the supreme, is the Paramatma, but is shining as awareness, but is blissfully existing as awareness in the cave of the heart lotus of all jivas, beginning with Harry. So from the highest God to the smallest and he is shining in the heart of every one of us as that fundamental awareness I am. So how can we know him as such? Parival ulam uruha, with the heart melting with love. So love is absolutely essential. Only when our heart melts with love, is ready to melt with love for him, will we be able to go deep within, enter the cave where he is dwelling, and thereby the uh, eye of awareness will be opened. Um, uh, you will know the, the, your real nature. You will know what you actually are. Nijam uh, means the, our real nature. Um, it will reveal itself. But the key to this is love. That is why Bhagavan said, Bhakti is the mother of jnana. So we cannot begin to understand Bhagavan's path until we understand the, all, the, the, 
the all importance of the paramount importance of love. Love is the key to success in this path because this path is about giving ourselves wholly to Him, and we'll be willing to give ourselves to Him only to the extent to which we have all-consuming love for Him. Therefore, bhakti alone is the mother of jnana. Without bhakti. We cannot succeed in this path, and that bhakti can be given only by Him. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya.